First Peter chapter two, verses one through three. I think it's actually important for us in order to understand the message of these verses to see them in relation to what we've already looked at in chapter one. Uh, so just remember briefly with me, in verses three through 12, Peter rehearsed some of the, the privileges that we have in Christ Jesus. So we've been born again through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to a living hope, an imperishable inheritance, and a salvation that is ready to be revealed on the day of Christ's appearing. That's verses 3 through 12, and then beginning in verse 13, Peter turns to some of the therefores of uh, being recipients of such marvelous grace. Since we are partakers of such grace, this then is how we are to live. And in verses uh, uh, 13 through 21, uh, Peter gives us three, we might say, Godward directives for living the Christian life. And he tells us that we're to set our hope fully on the grace that is to come when Jesus returns. He tells us that we are to be holy as God is holy. And and then he he also tells us that we're to live in fear of God throughout the time of our exile. Three God-word directives. And then in verses 18 um, through 21, we're given... We might say a one another directive. We are called to love one another with sincere brotherly affection. And we need to understand that that one another directive is continuing here into chapter 2 from, excuse me, I think I got the verses wrong, from verses 22 through 25 now into chapter 2 verses 1 through 3. And I want you to notice that Peter says essentially two things. He's he's saying if if you're going to stand firm together in the grace of God and you're going to be on mission for the Lord in this dark world, then here are two other things that you, you need to do. You need to update your wardrobe and you got to eat right. These are two metaphors, of course, that Peter is using for the Christian life. We need to get rid of our old wardrobe and get a new one. We'll talk about that. And and we need to develop an appetite, a longing for the right kind of food. So let's look at these two things. Uh, In in, in verse 1, notice it, a a new wardrobe. Peter says, "Put, put away, put off like worn out garments, these vices that he lists as remnants of the old life, which are really antithetical to the brotherly love and affection that Peter has just called Christians to. You need a new wardrobe. That's verse 1. Then verses 2 and 3, you need a new diet. You need a new appetite. We're like newborn infants, he says, that, that, that long for the milk that will help us grow into salvation. So we need a new wardrobe, and we need a new appetite. We need to dress the part, and we need to eat right if we're going to grow up and live for Christ in this world. So with that in mind, let's go ahead and read our text, uh, 1 Peter chapter 2, beginning in verse 1, and let's hear God's word. So put away all malice, and all deceit, and hypocrisy, and envy, 
and all slander. Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. A few years back, there was a, a story on the internet that went viral um, about a tour group in Iceland. They were touring a canyon somewhere in, in Iceland, and uh, a person went missing. Uh, the, the, the missing person was part of the tour group, and uh, when they got back to the tour bus, this person was unaccounted for. So after some time, eventually the authorities were called, and search groups were sent out, and even the, the bus tour group joined in on this search, and they searched for hours and hours. Uh, they, they were told to look for a woman wearing black clothing. That was the description they received. Uh, the, the search went on into the middle of the night until about 3 a.m. when it was called off because the missing woman was found, and it turns out that she had been a part of the search party <laughs> the entire time. Uh, what happened is when they got back to the bus, they got the headcount wrong, and uh, then this, this woman had actually gone and changed her clothes, I guess, to freshen up. And so when they described the missing person, it never dawned on her or anyone else for that matter that she was the one uh, being described. And the whole thing happened, we might say, because she changed her clothes. It's, uh, I know, an extreme example. That's granted. But it makes the point that what we wear is not entirely superficial, It was the way everyone was going to identify that woman who was supposedly missing. And the simple thing I'm trying to draw from that story is that a change of clothes can have significant implications. Certainly, literally, but also as Peter is indicating here, metaphorically as well. It's certainly true in chapter 2, verse 1. The first thing Peter says we need to do if we're going to live for Christ in this world is to get out of the old clothes that we used to wear. Take a look at what he says again. Put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Now that that verb that's translated in most of our versions as put away or put off, in, in the Greek, the verb is the word for to take off a garment. That, that, that's literally what this language is communicating. And it's used fairly consistently throughout the New Testament. Uh, You'll find Paul speaking this way in Romans 13, in Ephesians chapter 4, in Colossians chapter 3. You'll find James using this word in James chapter 1, verse 21. And here is Peter using it here in our text. It is, we might say, the classic New Testament metaphor for removing old patterns and habits of sin in our lives. And I think it's important to notice here right up front that Peter is calling Christians to be active in this. This is a summons to activity, not not a, a call to passivity. But we need to recognize that in our own day, there has been a trend even within our own circles to speak about... Um, here, here's what sanctification, here's what growing in holiness 
uh, involves. It, it involves resting in our justification. That, that, that's a popular message today, that, that sin will just sort of melt away as we rest in the work of Christ, knowing his forgiveness and knowing his righteousness counted to us, as we rest in that, those sinful patterns and habits will just dissolve. Now, there's certainly an important element of truth to that message. We do need to rest in the finished work of Christ. We, we do need to know that we are fully forgiven and counted right before God and accepted in his sight solely because of the finished work of Jesus Christ. But when it comes to our sanctification, our growth in holiness, in our devotion to God, and growth in loving one another well, we need to understand that the, that's not the whole picture when it comes to the Bible's teaching. God calls Christians to an active engagement with the habits and patterns of sin in our lives. And we are to take decisive action to put them off, to take them away, to throw them out. We are, in other language, we're to put to death the flesh with its passions and desires. There's no place for passivity in the pursuit of being holy as God is holy and loving one another as God calls us to even here in this passage. So take a look at the five vices Peter says that we must put off. And remember, we need, to, we need to read these verses in the broader context of a call to brotherly love, which we just received at the end of chapter 1. We read, we read there, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. And that's important to keep in mind because these five vices are really the, the antithesis of brotherly love and affection. This is, if you like, anti-love. Malice, hypocrisy, deceit, envy, and slander. It really is the opposite of brotherly love, isn't it? And let's just say a few things about this list of vices. Uh, I think I want to say three things. First, notice, notice the organic connections, the, the interrelatedness of these vices. Malice is uh, it, the evil desire to, to hurt someone else. And deceit is, is usually the principal weapon by which we act upon our malice, by which we strike. And what does hypocrisy do? Hypocrisy hides the deceit. We hide behind a mask, playing the role perhaps of a loving, caring Christian, while we deal deceitfully in order to act maliciously. And envy, envy lies at the heart of so much of malice, right? We want what others have. We want to be what others are. And perhaps when we can't, what we do is we try to tear them down with slander. We try to bring them down to our size. So you see how these five things can easily work together. There is, I think, an organic connection here. We might speak of a network of vices, and when you find, dear friends, when you find one of these weeds sprouting and growing up in your life, I think there's a warning here to beware because all of the other vices thrive in the very same soil. 
So if you let one of these grow wild, don't be surprised to find others growing right up alongside of them. That's the first thing, the organic connection. The second thing to notice about this list, I think, is we could just speak of the helpful realism of Peter's teaching here. It's helpful to see how honest and blunt and direct and real he is talking about Christians. Okay? So just because you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but by the imperishable word of God, through the good news of the gospel that was preached to you, does not mean that you are not going to struggle with vices like this. You need to realize that Peter is not describing the devil here in verse 1. He's talking about you and me. He's talking about Christians struggling with besetting sins. Followers of Jesus. So Peter's being real here about the Christian life that when, yes, when you, when you became a Christian, you got clean. You were accepted and welcomed and received by God, but there are still these polluting garments that you need to get rid of and dispose of. So there's an organic connection between the vices. There's a helpful realism here. And then third, there's a, there's a helpful reminder in that little repeated word, all. Did you notice that in verse 1? Look at it again. He wants us to put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Now, why that emphasis? Why that repetition of the word all? I think think it's telling us that when it comes to putting away sin, when it comes to throwing it out and getting rid of it, there is no room for moderation. There's no room for moderation. You know, but, but maybe when it comes to putting away sin, we treat it kind of like that ugly sweater that has a special place in our hearts. You know, we're, we're not ready quite to get rid of it, we, so we, we tuck it away in the closet for a special occasion or, or whatever. And Peter's saying, no, you've got to get rid of it all. It's all got to go. Out with the old. But this is a, this is a great temptation, being, being like the person who, who doesn't want to get rid of that old favorite t-shirt. That maybe, maybe it was a t-shirt that you fit into in high school. Uh, maybe now it's covered in holes or stains. And frankly, you've got no business wearing it anymore because it just doesn't fit. And yet, you're not quite ready to part ways with it. You're not ready to get rid of it altogether. And Peter is saying it can't be like that when it comes to these old vices. They've all got to go. And we've got to be ruthless. Empty the closet, clear the drawers, make room for an entirely new wardrobe. That's the call to Christians here. We, we need to get rid of the old garments of that dead life in Adam that we once lived. The things that identified us uh, before God got a hold of our hearts and and redeemed us, and made us to belong in his family, and named us his sons and daughters. We cannot go on wearing the garments of our old former lives. You're saying we've got to put it off. We've got to put it all off. And of course, Peter, Peter's only giving us here one half of the New Testament's teaching as it's working with this metaphor. The other half is, getting dressed in new clothes, isn't it? Peter will talk actually later in this very same letter and tell Christians, how's this for imagery? 
Clothe yourselves with humility so that when people look at you, what do they see you wearing? They see the beautiful garment of a humble spirit. Paul Paul will say elsewhere that Christians are to put on as God's chosen ones to clothe themselves with compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. And above all, he says, put on love, which binds everything together in harmony. We might say Christian love is that one part of the outfit that brings the whole of these Christian grace garments together. So friends, one of the questions I think we need to ask ourselves this morning is, is what are we wearing? You know, when people look at you, what do they see? Do they see Christ-like virtue or vice? Do the garments of your deeds match your profession as a redeemed child of God? Some, some days we, we need to be honest with ourselves here. Some days we don't match, do we? Right? Some, some days, I told the girls beforehand, I was going to use them as an illustration this morning. And Emma kicked me in the shin, but I'm going to do it anyway. Um, you know, some days the girls will come down from their bedroom and they don't quite match. And I've got to, I've got to say, or Kelsey has to say, girls, you don't, don't match. Go, go upstairs, put that shirt or those pants away and put something else on that, that's fitting, that matches the outfit. And friends, isn't that, isn't that a, a really an illustration of the Christian life? Some days our loving Heavenly Father has to say to us, my child, you, you don't match. What you're wearing right now does not fit the Christian life. And you've got to put it away. You've got to put it off. And you need to get rid of it once and for all. Because the reality is God has given us an entirely new wardrobe of garments to wear. Isn't this, isn't this a, a, a wonderful thing to think about, think about in terms of this metaphor and its function in the New Testament? It's not just saying put away so you're standing there without clothes. It's put away so that you can put on the graces of Christ. So that you can put on Christ Jesus and learn to wear the new garments that uh, he has fitted you for. That's the first metaphor that Peter uses. We need a new wardrobe. Let's go to the second one because Peter changes the the word picture here from clothing to food. Not only do we need to get rid of our old wardrobe, we need to develop a new appetite. So take a look at verses 2 and 3. Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation if indeed... You have tasted that the Lord is good. Now notice how he speaks about us, first of all. We are like newborn infants. And Peter there is describing every Christian, how we ought to view ourselves in some sense, no matter what stage of the Christian life we are at. We are all like newborn infants who are to long for this pure spiritual milk. And and, and it's only by getting this milk Peter is saying, that we will grow up into salvation. 
Okay, so, so growth happens by drinking in this spiritual milk. Pure spiritual milk is the nourishment that you and I need for growth in our Christian lives. Now, that's a really important idea for us to unpack. So let's try to do that together. And first of all, notice the two ways he describes this milk. First of all, it's, it's pure milk. And I don't do this very often, but I, here I think it's helpful to appreciate what Peter is saying in Greek, because he's actually, I'm convinced, communicating something by the sound of the words that simply doesn't translate into, into English. The word for pure is the Greek word for adalos. It's the, it's the opposite of dolos, which is the word that he uses for deceit back in verse 1. And so he's saying, I, I want you to put off deceit and by extension, all other vices, put them off. And in place of that, I want you to drink in the pure, reliable, true milk. So that by drinking it, you might become true and real and sincere. You see, the quality of the milk produces that character in us. That's his point, I think. The fullness of salvation and to to which we grow up, right? A holy life lived for God in love for one another puts off all of the vices of anti-love and such a life grows as we drink in this pure milk. Uh, The other adjective Peter uses to describe the milk we need, it's, it's spiritual. This milk is pure spiritual milk. And, and this time the Greek word is logikos. It's, uh, it's the same word that Paul uses in uh, Romans chapter 12, verse 1, where he, he calls Christians to offer up our bodies as a, a living sacrifice. For this is your, you know, your spiritual act of worship. Logikos is the word used there. Peter is, I think, certainly using the word here to mean spiritual, but again, it's a, it's a kind of play on words because it's echoing language that he's already used previously. So how is it that you were born again? Back at the end of chapter 1, verse 23, you were born again by the living and abiding word of God, the logos of God, the word. It's the logos that gave you life. And now Peter's saying, how are you going to, now that you are born again, now that you've been made new, how are you going to grow now that that's true? And he's saying, by the pure logikos, by the the milk that is the word of God. The pure spiritual milk that Peter is talking about is the living and abiding word of God. James confirms this for us in James chapter 1, verse 21, passage I mentioned earlier. And he uses the same exact uh, vocabulary that Peter uses here. James says, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness. So that's the same, that same language of taking off garments and removing them. James using that language here. Uh, But instead of saying long for pure spiritual milk, he instead says, Receive with meekness the implanted word. The pure milk is the implanted word. So you you put off sin 
and you drink in the word. That's how you grow up into salvation, Peter is saying. Put off the old vices, drink in the word of God. And so, so we, whether, whether new or, or lifelong Christians, Peter's saying we're, we're all like newborn infants. It's such a fitting description of us, isn't it? Right? New, newborns don't grow, they don't develop, they don't mature if they're being starved. They don't grow up and, and mature into healthy, thriving children if they're being fed a bunch of junk. Growth is stunted when they're not getting the milk they need, but they do grow. It's amazing, they do grow. A, a, a human being grows and matures on a healthy diet of milk. It's all they need is newborns. And, and Peter's using that imagery to tell us a lot about ourselves as, as Christians. This is what we need to grow, to grow into the salvation that is ours in Christ Jesus. We need to be taking in, we need to be guzzling down the pure spiritual milk of the word of God. Now, let, me, let me just address uh, a, a common problem that I run into all of the time as a pastor. It, it manifests itself in, in various ways today, but I think I could distill it down to this basic problem of, of being motivated, of staying motivated to be in the word, to long for this pure spiritual milk that Peter is talking about. I've heard lots of reasons. You know, whether we're talking here about personal Bible reading or sitting under the reading and preaching of the word, people say, my mind wanders. Trouble focusing. My my mind wanders to a million other other things that um, are demanding my attention or I'm tired. Um, I'm not a good listener or I don't like reading. I can't concentrate when I'm reading. There are all of these, these different problems that people face. So we're asking this question, is there some way to awaken within ourselves a longing for this pure spiritual milk? That's a great question, and I actually think Peter provides us with a bit of an answer. Notice what he says in verse 2, long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may go grow up into salvation. Now you've got to recognize that that That's actually a command. Peter, the apostle of Christ Jesus here, is not making a suggestion. Hey, it'd be good for you if you'd long for the pure spiritual milk of the word. He's actually issuing an apostolic imperative. He's commanding Christians to long for the, the word of God, the ministry of the word of God in their lives. And so then maybe you're thinking, well, that doesn't help me at all because my longing is the problem. Right? I wish I longed more, but I don't. So how is that helpful? How can we have a longing for the word? Well, notice what Peter goes on to say. I think verse 3 is a clue. Long for the milk of the word. Now the ESV translates it, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. I, I think that word translated if ought to be translated since. Since you have tasted that the Lord is good, long for the word. So you see what he's saying. The way to awaken your appetite for more is to taste. Peter, playing with the metaphor here, is saying that taste awakens appetite. 
we, we know this, don't we? I, I can't use Liam as an example because he just hates the bottle. But with our three other kids, when the time came for Kelsey to be out of the house if she had to go to work or do something else, I'd have the kids and I'd try to give them the bottle. And at first they wanted nothing to do with it. But once they tasted what was in the bottle, it, it uh, caused them their appetite <laughs> to long for that milk. Or as our kids have gotten a little bit older, you know, sometimes we call them in for dinner and uh, we've made something new. I should say, Kelsey's made something new and uh, we've got it on the plate set before them and uh, Karis will look at it and say, what is that? That's disgusting. She hasn't even tried it. And sometimes when things go well, they'll take a bite and their appetite kicks in. It tastes good, and they, they want more of it. And within, minute, within minutes, the plate is clean. Taste awakens appetite. And here's another really neat thing about this passage. As we've seen Peter do again and again already, he's actually relying on the Old Testament. And Peter here is, is alluding to Psalm 34, verse 8, which says, O taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. And he's applying that text in a remarkable and stunning way. He is saying that when we drink in the word, we are doing a lot more than just receiving a bunch of information. Drinking in the word of God is not merely a matter of data processing, we might say. When you drink in the word, you are tasting and seeing that the Lord is good. What do you get in the word? You get God himself. You get Christ. He comes to you in his word. You taste him, Peter's saying. Reading the word, hearing the word preached, is God's means of giving us a taste of himself. In the ministry of the word, we, we are savoring the sweetness of Christ. We're tasting of his goodness. And so Peter is saying, drink him in. You must, you must long for this to, to grow up since you have tasted that the Lord is good. Keep on longing for more. Because the more you taste, the more you long the more you long, the more you drink in, and the more you drink in, the more you grow. So I asked you a few minutes ago, you know, what are you wearing? Let me ask you now, how's your diet? And how's your appetite? I wonder, I wonder dear friends, if, if we're a bit malnourished. And part of the Trouble with being malnourished is we can be malnourished and, and really not even know it. Not be aware of just how bad our condition actually is. So let me make one suggestion to you this morning. As a pastor who's accountable to the Lord, and one of the things I'm responsible for is being used by God in your lives by his grace to see Christ formed in you. Let me make one humble suggestion, something that I think will help us all grow. Now, we've got to pause before I get to the suggestion. I was talking to some of you uh, last week in preparation for this passage, and one of the things that really jumped out at me 
in terms of all of my reading and, and, and preparation for this passage, when, when I would get to the point where authors were trying to apply the teaching of Peter here to Christians today, the assumption was always what we need to do is talk to Christians about personal daily Bible reading. You got you to gotta, you keep up your devotions. You got to be reading your Bibles on, on your own time, in your own personal lives. And don't for a minute think I would discourage you from doing that. What a wonderful privilege it is that we possess copies of the scriptures for ourselves. But we have to recognize the Christians Peter is writing to did not have such a privilege. So you can't possibly be talking about, hey, you know, you've got your own scrolls of the New Testament, roll them out and be sure to read them every day. That, that's not at all what Peter is talking about. Peter tells us what he's talking about at the end of chapter 1. He's talking about when God's people come together as an assembly, as the church, the church of Jesus Christ, and together they hear the word of God read and they hear the good news preached. And so when Peter is telling Christians to long for the pure spiritual milk of the word, I think what he has immediately in view is the context of the people of God gathering together to sit under the ministry of the word together. So that's the, I think that's the context in which we need to apply what Peter is saying to us here. So here's my dietary suggestion, okay? Make a point to come faithfully, make it a priority, make it a non-negotiable to come faithfully Sunday morning and yes, Sunday evening to drink in the word as it is being read and preached. Again, yes, by all means, read the word of God for yourself. But you know, we actually have a statement in our standards that reminds us that God makes the reading and especially the preaching of his word effectual in the lives of his people to help them grow into salvation. Friends, I, I recognize that this suggestion is a challenging one. It's, it's one that would require some of us to make some changes, to change our priorities, to reorder our lives around something that we often neglect. But if we do, if we come week by week to guzzle down the word of God together, Peter is reminding us that we will grow and mature in Christ. Because we grow up individually and we grow collectively by being in the word. By consuming it. Because man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. By drinking in the pure spiritual milk of the word. Let me ask you this. What, what, what if I... What if I told you, hey, um, I'm, I'm thinking about starting a new diet. You know, there's all these different diets out there today, but I'm making up my own, and, and here's what it's going to look like. I'm, I'm, I'm going to eat one good meal a week. And even that, sometimes I might skip out on it. But I'm going I'm to have one good meal a week, and then the rest of the week, perhaps I'll have some snacks, some healthy snacks, Five minutes in the word, you know, something like that. But for the most part, I'm going to just eat a bunch of junk food. That's my diet plan. 
And I think, I think it's going to work out well for me. You, you, because you, I hope because you care about me, you'd say, uh, Jared, that's a really, really bad idea. I don't want you to do that. You're not going to be healthy. You're going to be malnourished. That's dumb. Don't do it. But dear friends, if I can turn it on us all for a minute, frankly, that's the spiritual diet some of us are on. We think, we think that we're going to be healthy, thriving, growing Christians on 30 minutes of the word of God a week. Boy, when we put that in perspective, don't we realize how naive we really are being and how we really do need to make some changes in our lives. Yes, you know, a diet's hard. It requires changes. It requires developing new habits. And I think that's what Peter is calling us to here in the word of God. So let me come to my suggestion again. Okay? Come Sunday morning, come Sunday evening, And drink in the word. Start there. Start there. Start simple. You know, people come up with these elaborate plans and they they fail two or three days later. This is a simple, simple suggestion. And, you know, here's the thing. When you start a diet, isn't it true that your appetite craves other things, right? Here I am saying come Sunday morning and Sunday evening and your appetite's going to be the same. But I I, want to stay home and I want to watch the game. I've had a long, busy week, and I'm tired. I just want to veg out on the couch and scroll through the social media feeds. Look, I, I get it. I get it. But if you commit to this and you come and drink in the word more and more, Peter's saying you will long for the word as you taste the goodness of the Lord. If I can, if I can share with you just a little bit of my own experience, I, I found myself being described in this passage as I was studying it. You know, when Kelsey and I dated... Um, I, didn't, I didn't go to a church that, that even offered morning and, and evening services. And thankfully, uh, Kelsey drugged me along, her family drugged me along, because it was hard for me. I, I, I saw Sunday evening, the rest of the day after the morning services, my time as an extension of the weekend. But you know what started to happen is every time I went to evening service and sat under the ministry of the word again, I left thinking, Why on earth did I ever want to be anywhere else? Until it became a habit in my life, and it's something that I'm tremendously grateful for. And I hope it's something that we would all experience in our lives as well. We we need to develop a new appetite. Peter is telling us in these three verses, we need a new wardrobe. Now that we've come to new life in Jesus, we need to take off the old clothes and put away the old remnants of our old lives, right? A new wardrobe. And we need a new appetite. We need to long for the pure spiritual milk of the word. And we awaken our appetite by tasting the goodness of the Lord who comes to us and gives himself to us in the ministry of his word. That we might receive him, that we might drink him in as it were, And taste and see that the Lord is good. So brothers and sisters, let's put away the old things that do not belong. And let's develop an appetite that longs for this pure spiritual milk which God provides us with. Let's pray. Father, forgive us for not putting off the old garments and not longing for the word the way that we should. And we 
Pray now that by your Spirit you would strengthen us to put those things away that do not belong and develop within us a longing for your word which is light and gives life. Uh, Thank you for the word of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, which you have given to us. We pray that we would truly drink it in and grow into salvation in Christ. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.